What? You trying to say, you have something to say to me? No, wait. No, please. I, do I have to convince you to stay every time? <laughs> oh, okay. Look, I understand. But you know what? You've changed me. And I'm a better person now. And I won't be sassy anymore. <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> okay. But hear me out. I think you have some cool stories that you want to share to people who aren't me that that deserve to hear what you have to say. So maybe you should put up with me for about half an hour or so so we can re-record um, and fix the mistake I somehow probably made. For the kids! For the kids! For the children! Do it for the children. Alright. So, I wanted to pick up kind of where we left off. You were talking about when you're 14, you kind of just like stop breathing, and you also had sleep apnea issues. Um, you have more than one near-death experience? Younger than 14. Uh, of what? The age of what? At eight, <gasps> At eight years old? That reminds me of something that happened to me when I was younger, too. Uh, my sister had to save me from falling down a waterfall. <laughs> it was a pretty short waterfall, but I was tiny. So it could have done irreversible damage to my body had she not caught me. So that was pretty that was pretty dope. Well, what happened to you when you were eight, Nate? When I was eight years old, I was uh, I was a very active kid, so I didn't have a chance to. A stalker club? No, I'm just, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, for the kids, for the kids. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, been there, done that. I've I've shot a few people outside of cars over a girl. Yeah, I'm just that badass. <clears throat> Not really. Just kidding, I'm kind of a pussy. Hello? Yeah. You still you still there? Thank you for not hanging up. Jesus. <laughs> that one was not well received. So did you see somebody die right in front of you? Yes, yes I did. 
Wow, at eight. What's it like being able to hear? It? So what? What's it? Wait, 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 wait. So you've seen someone die. That means you can see hippogriffs, right? Oh wait, not hippogriffs. What are those fucking things? Hippogriffs are not hippogriffs. Are the things that you that fly and shit. And then, yeah, you can see you can see the dead horses that draw carriages. Cool. <laughs> Fuck J.K. Rowling. She's a fucking transphobe. Okay, moving on. What? How do? How do you think that that transformed you as a person? <laughs> yeah, like, how do you top that? Yeah, no wonder you have a hard time with committed relationships. You saw somebody die when you were eight years old. <laughs> yeah, when my when my Gma died when I was four, I was like, Oh, my mom's gonna die And I said that in the middle of kindergarten class. No, I think it was first grade, yeah, because it was Mrs. Anderson who had to take me aside and convince me that my mom wasn't going to die for a very long time. <laughs> Which she's right, but like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a very long time at all that I have with her left on Earth. Um, before, before you tell the story, hold that thought. I ask myself this question all the time. I said my mom was going to die really loudly in the middle of a class of like 20-some kids. So how many children did I traumatize into understanding that their mom was going to die in the first grade? <laughs> Sheltered. Yeah, in first grade, I was one of the only kids that didn't believe in Santa Claus. And everybody else in first grade did. So I think I kind of, from a young age, had a grasp on things that I've always been ahead. I've always been ahead academically and more than my peers. And I think the reason why is because I'm the youngest in a family of a very traumatizing situation. And I learned from the people around me. I was very observant and independent from a very young age. And I just watched people. I learned from them. And I, I feel like... For so long, I haven't even been able to be a real person because I spent so long absorbing the information around me that I didn't really give myself time to discover myself, which is, um, well, ever since I left Harper, I've been on this kind of spiritual journey of like, well, who am I? Who is, who is Roots? Don't worry, Pinocchio. Oh, my God. It is so strange that you say that because I'm going to be the blue fairy for Halloween. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> okay. So what what story did I remind you of? Was that your first experience with death? Oh, yeah. The farm. <laughs> yes, the farm. 
the happy little farm where all the dogs and cats and rats and rabbits play together with God shepherding them and Jesus is there and oh it's just so perfect and there's pancakes every morning. I'm sorry. You don't deserve that. I'm sorry that happened to you. No, um, everyone just said it was just tough love. Yeah. The love slap love bullshit. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, and that's the strange thing. Like, people think that you're supposed to be... Hang on, there's a car passing. People think that you're supposed to be devastated when somebody dies, no matter who it is. But there are people who... Like, what are you supposed to tell your family members when you're glad somebody died? Somebody who beat you died. Good. Good riddance. Like, are you supposed... And and what what good memories are you talking about? This is like a person who hurt me. I I have a really complicated relationship with someone who was turning their life around. But when I was younger, this guy put a gun up to my head, an airsoft gun, albeit, but he put it up to my head and pulled the trigger. <laughs> I had a really complicated relationship with that person. I I felt nothing when he died. I was indifferent. And I feel like people think that I'm some sort of evil person because. Uh, I was not sad. How they are yeah, if they traumatized you. The wake? Yeah, the wake. Um, and I was so happy. I was like, yay! And then my uncle slapped me. <sighs> of course. Knocked on my shoulder and tried to explain to me why he was not okay. But it is okay. Your feelings are valid. See, we're in a world full of incredibly invalidating people. Um... And that's kind of why I feel like it's hard for me to talk to the people I love and I'm closest to, because they're incredibly invalidating. And with somebody who has borderline personality disorder, congratulations, you now know my deepest, darkest secret, and so does everybody who will listen on this podcast, is I'm borderline. I am... Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, and then, and then plus... Uh, I didn't bury any bodies, I just chopped it down a mine shaft. Oh, no, just kidding. Uh, that was a joke, for legal reasons. <laughs> yeah, 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 video game. <laughs> death Stranding, and Death, death Stranding, Death Stranding. <laughs> um, Cupid? <laughs> vodka? Uh, oh, okay, I got vodka on the brain. Hey, my first experience with death, like I was saying before, was when I was four when my grandmother died. 
and I didn't understand that the concept that this person just wasn't around anymore. And I never really got close to her, but she was such a big, like basically the family's matriarch. Um, and I've only really known her vicariously through other people. And they always only have good things to say about her. The, the worst thing I've ever heard about, about her is that she was prudish uh, and a bit, um, a bit like stuck in her ways. But that's like the worst I heard of her. So she sent us presents and sent us like uh, she has a savings fund for us. I, I will get $7,000 in a savings fund when I graduate. Like she really set up a lot of good things for everybody in the family in the event of her death. And she died a good death, I think, because I had never in my life experienced something like, and I've been, her wake, well, it wasn't really wake. We spread her ashes out in Farragut, and it was the most beautiful experience I think I've ever had. Like, everyone was crying, but they were, like, happy crying and sad crying all at the same time. And I was sitting there playing with, like, these kids I never met, and there was a family reunion later that was awesome. But then there was never a moment like that again. And I felt like for much of my even adult life now, I had been searching for some sort of feeling like that again. And recently I went to my sister's um, gender gender reveal party. Well, it, she changed it to a sex reveal party. Um, I didn't really ask her to do that. Um, I appreciate what she was trying to do about that, but like, I really don't like attention being drawn to my gender identity because I've yeah, and she was doing what she was doing to help other people around me understand who I am as a trans person um, who doesn't identify with the gender I was born as. I identify as gender nonconforming because I just don't really feel like just a girl. I'm more than just a girl, um, and I don't want to fit in the box, like I've said before. But at the same time, it doesn't mean I really feel comfortable talking about it that much and I don't really feel comfortable with other people fighting that battle for me I understand that she's on my side she's an ally but it does make me very uncomfortable and um I feel like even though I want to bring that up to her that I can't talk to her about it because every time I try to express myself to her especially recently I get shot down and um well, I'm used to getting shot down. I've been shot down since my mama pushed me out of her fucking womb. But, like, how much how much rejection can someone take before they are just like, okay, what's the point of sticking around? So you're, you're, did you get cut out? Cool. No wonder you're gay. <laughs> so what was it like being uh, cut out of your mother? You remember? <laughs> Darn. It would have been a cool story. Does your Did your mom ever tell you about it? Wow. So she got a... She got a scar. Ew. <laughs> that's a, 
Yeah, I feel like if I ever do get pregnant and decide to carry, which I'm not sure because, like, I'd have to go off testosterone, which I don't really like the idea of it. Even if just one, I feel like I'm comfortable with just one gel packet because I feel like it's the correct hormone system for my body. It has done more for me than any medical uh, intervention ever has, any therapy, any medication, say for propranolol, which is what I'm on right now um, for my anxiety. Testosterone is like, just makes me feel like I'm, like I'm normal. It just makes me feel like I'm normal. It's like, I, I dose testosterone, I'm like, is this what normal people feel like? <laughs> exactly, and, it, it, and not subject to change. That's subject to change. If I decide later, like, you know what? I think I was wrong. Like, maybe I am just a really masculine woman, you know? Then so be it. Like, it doesn't make me evil. It doesn't make me a liar. It just means I changed my mind or, like, discovered myself. But I'm pretty sure I figured it out. Um... There was something that you were going on about when we ended the call yesterday that I feel like is really important to, like, let you take the floor. Because um, I asked you, you know, what advice would you have for people who have gone through childhood adversive experiences and are still dealing with the trauma as an adult? Get revenge. Yes, like there are so many people who think that they've got it all figured out on their own and they neglect to realize that you are not a special case. Everybody needs therapy, especially after this COVID shit. But I think, especially the United States in particular, is... Hello. <laughs> I, uh, my, your press buttons. So, what, when did I, when did I stop? Where did we stop? I heard, I heard everything you said. Um, <laughs> I was, sussy. I was talking about how I feel like we're in a mental health renaissance right now. Like, America in particular is pretty behind when it comes to accepting that, you know, maybe everybody has mental health problems. 
because we're human beings and we are part of the human race, which is an incredibly homicidal, genocidal and suicidal species. Um, and if you say you don't have negative thoughts that are unhealthy, then you are full of shit. Never trust a man without a vice, Abraham Lincoln. And you know what I think he said that for? Is because a man who doesn't have a vice is a fucking liar. Yeah, a fucking liar. Yeah, no. Everybody has a vice. Nobody's perfect. We're all fucked. We're part of the human race. We all need therapy. We're stronger together. We need to come together, and we all need to accept that. Maybe, maybe if not therapy, maybe you're in denial, but the fact that you probably need a therapist, at least like, like you said, talk to somebody. Anybody. Yes. And if they're not willing to listen, I mean, then why talk to them? Isn't there also 744? Statistics show that teenagers in particular are more likely to text for help than they are to call. Because we are dealing with a lot of call anxiety these days. Uh, yeah, I am social creatures. I am. Um, I've been on and off talking to a couple younger clients, but I've switched over to geriatrics. Most of my clients are older, like 40 plus. I just my heart's in geriatrics. I like. I like talking to older people. I feel like I really like paying respect to the paths that they paved because they're kind of, they were kind of like, they stuck through it all, you know, and, and living is, is not easy. And I want to figure out, you know, how did you get it? How did you figure it out? How did you make it this far? What did you do? What can I learn from you? And that's how I go into most of my relationships is there's, I feel like there's something I can learn from this person. Uh, how to Dougie. Just kidding, I don't know how to do that. I can roll a joint, though. I can roll a joint. It's not, they're not the best, but I can do it. I'll show you how to, we gotta hang out sometime and I'll show you. I'll show you how to roll a joint. I'll teach you how to make an edible. Uh, for, for legal reasons, everything I say is a funny joke. Ha ha. Yeah, I can't roll a joint in the video game, GTA 5. I'm, I'm, um, I'm curious, um, if you have any other suggestions other than talking to somebody. Yeah, yeah, because because sometimes there is nobody to listen. That's kind of what I use Twitter for. No, I know it's toxic, but it's funny to me. You see, I'm I'm a very good-humored person, so when I go into these toxic spaces, I feel like I'm trying to infiltrate the culture. I can handle how toxic these spaces are because I just find the toxicity kind of humorous. 
Um, and if I ever feel like the toxicity is starting to tilt me and, and put me down, I can just turn it off. Have you ever heard of Blocksite? So there's this app you can get called Blocksite, and for free you can block about five apps, and it gives you the time, it gives you the opportunity to, you know, take an app off that list for a while if you want to freely use it. And it's so good for productivity. I, I have Instagram, um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, and a couple others that I can't come to mind right now, and they're all on there. So when I'm trying to do my homework, or when I'm trying to study, or when I'm when I'm got to work on my projects, I I open the app and it, it, it instantly it puts up a screen. It's like walk away. There's probably a reason why this app is on your block site, and it instantly reminds me not to doom scroll. Oh, YouTube, yes, that's on it. Instead of focusing on my mental health and getting sleep. Tumblr's the worst for me. Eat a banana. Touch grass. Touch grass. Also, ass. Just kidding. No amount of sex, drugs, or alcohol is going to fix you. You need help. You only care about yourself and your fucking weed. You need help. Thank you, Hobo Johnson. What's your favorite artist? What's your favorite musical artist? Well, shit. I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> so, right now... So, cemented in history, my all-time favorite band is Mother Mother. But I think lately, what I've really been into is this one, is, is Hobo Johnson. I just, I love everything Hobo Johnson has produced. It's very interesting stuff. I can't wait to see what he um, puts out next. You listen to the song You Need Help by Hobo Johnson. I swear to you, it's so good. Beethoven, really? Classical music's really good for relaxation and meditation and calming yourself down in times of anxiety and stress. Jeruma? Jeruma, okay. AJR. Yeah, um, 
No, and I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm, I'm, I was recently told by someone I loved that, hey, stop trying to make your problems our problems. Um, and that felt like a really harsh form of invalidation because I'm not trying to make anybody's problems their problems. I just am trying to be heard. Um, but if people do not have ears to listen, then you have to respect that. And... Um, I, however, am interested in people who listen to each other, and I want to have relationships with people who listen to one another openly with their whole body. When I hear people, I listen to them with all of me. Every inch of me is listening to them on what they have to say. And sometimes I'll get excited and interrupt, but everybody does that. Yeah, I'm listening to you with all my open pores right now. Thank you. Like the Junji Ito grease. <laughs> you like Junji Ito? You don't. You don't. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Why not? Well, I need to. I need to stop for a second and fix what I just what I just did. Nothing can truly be fixed. Not with that attitude. I feel like. Do you think if you broke an eggshell? You could, like, piece by piece glue it and tape it together if you tried hard enough, if you broke an egg. Yeah. Yeah, and what are you supposed to do other than like, you know, I feel like, I feel like I, like, have you heard the term like stacking up dominoes? Sometimes I feel like that, like I, I've been trying so hard for so long to pick up the pieces of, you know, my brokenness because I've been through so many complex traumas um, and then I will try really hard to stack up this line of dominoes and then a light wind comes through and like it just breaks everything as if it was as intense as the very first trauma. Yeah, you just have to accept that you're fragile now. You're fragile. And you need to be around people who will hold you fragilely and understand that you need to be treated gently. That 
harsh words are only going to break you down, and it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to help your relationship with this kind of fragile person if you keep knocking down their dominoes or breaking the shell. Yeah. Emotional. Our be behind our lo logical um, shells that a lot of people will put in front of them. Like a lot of people are they claim to be extremely logically minded, but the truth is, beneath all the logistics, beneath everything, we are born emotional creatures. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, and there's so many ways you can react to that. And the fact of the matter is you choose how you react. And so many people choose to react with another form of attack. Like when, when I try to explain to people, hey, what you're doing right now or what you did hurt me or is hurting me, um, the comeback is usually a justification. But you don't need to justify what you're doing. You need to accept and validate the fact that that person feels that way. And how that person feels isn't necessarily the truth. It's just their truth. It doesn't mean you have to attack them. They are just communicating to you their feelings. What are you supposed to do other than accept the way they feel? Yeah, there's no reason to. Once you communicate something, you cannot uncommunicate it. And I feel like that is something very important that I want, if anybody's listening to this, to take away from this entire conversation, is that you cannot take away what you communicate once you blurt it out. So you got to practice your communication skills. And then we have to find it for ourselves. Like, different strokes for different blokes. You can figure out your right, true way of communicating. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right, perfect way for everybody.
Yes, I recently, um, I, I, I am a touchy-feely person. I recently met someone really wonderful. They're a great friend. I'm, I'm not interested in them, like, sexually or, or anything. I'm, they're a very attractive person, but I put my, I asked them if I could touch them. I put my hand on their leg, and I, like, gave them a reaffirming squeeze. Like, something I really like to do is give someone a nice, like, reaffirming, like, hey, I'm here. And their first question was, are you trying to make the moves on me? And I'm like, oh, God, no. I put my hand away, and I'm like, I am so sorry. That is not that is not what I wanted to uh, communicate. I just I just was trying to be affirming, and immediately they were like, "Oh, okay, I get it. Like I, I've done stuff like that before too." And it's just like that's what I mean when I talk when you, when I talk about um, listening. You know, that person could have easily um, misconstrued that as an attack, but instead. They listen to me explain myself, and they realize, oh, this person doesn't want anything from me. They're just being reaffirming. And it's fair. Think of young Nathan who saw somebody die. Do you really blame people for turning themselves off and shutting themselves down in a world that's so full of death and cruelty and darkness? Yeah, exactly. Yes, it shuts your voice off. All the invalidation does is teach a person that they aren't good enough and what they say doesn't matter and their voice has no impact. But the truth is that we need to be having a global conversation about this kind of shit or else nothing is ever going to change and the world needs to change. Well, I think that the first thing we can do is think about that question. Write it down. What can we do to make the world change faster? And if we can't, how do we accept that maybe the world's not going to change? Yes, that's why I'm starting with me. That's why I started with me when I when I finally dumped my ex-girlfriend who was toxic and psycho and, and like, seriously, if, if anybody listening to this is in a, an, an abusive situation and it's a merry-go-round of abuse and, and you want it to work out and you want that person to change, just understand that it's not going to change in the environment you're in right now. And what you need to do is leave and never look back and fucking dump that psychotic person who is ripping you apart and making you rot from the inside out to the core.
No, they need to change themselves. And the only way they're going to do it is with time alone to think about what they're doing and what they did. Yeah, some, the truth of the matter is, is like, as somebody who, and I don't really like this word victim, I, I, I prefer to think of myself as more of a survivor than a victim, because the word victim has a lot of stigma. Um, perhaps there are things that you are doing as a victim or a survivor, whatever you want to call it, that is keeping you, that is setting yourself up to be in these abusive situations. Most people who are abuse survivors go right back to their abusive situations because it's all they know. And if they do find a healthy situation, it, it doesn't feel real. It feels surreal, and you, you, 